It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. One of the quilting Facebook groups that I enjoy is called Quilting. Carol Ann Ferrari Rogers is the person that created that group. Besides having a day job, she also is the owner of Coziness Quilts. She is a certified APQS quilter and a certified quilt in a day instructor. What a busy lady. I was so happy that she took time out of her schedule to visit with me. Carol, thanks for joining me on A Quilter's Life. Hi, Paula. It's nice to meet you. I'm excited oh. to do a podcast with you. Me too. Let's start where you were born and raised. Okay. I was born in the Bronx. Shortly thereafter, we moved to a small town in New Jersey called Allendale. It's in northern Jersey. And that's where I basically was raised all the way through my young adulthood. <laughs> So you graduated high school there? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. The same town from kindergarten all the way through high school. Wow, that is so neat. My family moved around, so I always thought living in the same place would have been so wonderful. It was a great town, a great town to grow up in. Share a special childhood memory. Childhood memories. Since we're talking about quilting, I really started thinking about some of my early sewing experiences. So my mom never sewed at all. And I think I got my sewing bug from my paternal grandmother and my aunt, my father's sister. And I remember being about four or five years old and having my Aunt Ida show me how to do embroidery. And this is my first memory of ever sewing. And I remember this sitting in the living room with an embroidery hoop and trying to make French knots. I already had the daisy stitch down pretty good, but French knots are really frustrating. <laughs> But I really, really enjoyed sewing since, like, I think the minute I was born. So I remember, you know, really just couldn't wait to just learn how to sew. And my Aunt Ida sewed and my grandmother sewed as well. So I was really very interested in everything they did. I'm picturing those French knots popping right back through. (laughs) Yes. Oh, absolutely. It was so frustrating. (laughs) But I did get it. I did get it. Other memories of being young. Actually, I remember one summer, right before I was starting kindergarten, I spent some time at my aunt's house and I wanted her to make me a dress and I wanted to help her sew the dress. And she took me to a fabric store. And when I walked into that store, it was, oh my gosh, like just walls and walls and walls of fabric. And I just was like, this is better than like any toy store ever, ever. And she said to me, okay, pick out what you want to make your little jumper out of. So I went to the wall and I picked up some fabric and she kind of like chuckled at me and she's like, no, 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 pick some fabric from over here. And it was the tables of like flat fold fabric. Uh So she's like, pick one of these. I kind of figured out then like, oh, there's a difference. (laughs) (laughs) And like what she wants me to pick. Like, I think like one was more expensive than the other. And I was like, hmm, okay. 
But I remember that dress very distinctly. I don't remember helping her too much. She did sew it up for me. It was like a navy blue with white daisies and little red centers on the daisies. So I do remember that dress pretty well. And then when I was about nine years old, I finally convinced my mom that I needed to get some sewing lessons. She didn't sew. My aunt lived in New York and lived in New Jersey, so we didn't get to see them that often. So I went to a little sewing school in Midland Park, New Jersey, called the Needlecraft School. It was located over a little fabric shop called Sew and Save. And I took sewing lessons there for about a year. And I was so proud of myself. I still have my first dress that I ever made. And the store asked to take my dress and they hung it in the store just to advertise the school. And I was just so excited and so proud of myself. But I was like, but I want to wear my dress. (laughs) (laughs) They better give it back to me before I outgrow it. (laughs) Yeah, that was really exciting for me. You mentioned you went there for about a year. So was it on weekends or in the evenings or or how did that work? I'm trying to remember. I think it was like after school, like once a week. Okay. Yeah, but that's how I really learned how to sew. And my dad bought me my sewing machine. And I just took it from there. And then I made all my Easter outfits, all the Halloween costumes, ultimately prom dresses and all of that. So I started sewing very young. How neat. Then after high school, where did you go? After high school, where did I go? (laughs) I went to college. Then I got married. Then I had a baby. And it all happened pretty quickly. I was a very young mom. So I took time off from college and had a baby girl and took some quilting classes in 1979 and learned how to quilt. And that's when I started really actually getting into the quilting world. And neat. I ultimately did get a Bachelor of Science degree actually in business management and worked in the corporate environment most of my adult life, either in human resources, insurance compliance, and more recently, like business operations and that kind of thing. So I've always been a corporate employee. So did you go back to New Jersey or where were you when you had your job? I was in New Jersey up until about 2000, the year 2000, and went through a divorce. And then I met my husband, Steve, who I'm married to now through one of my positions in the insurance company. That's another whole story. (laughs) How we met. It was through an erroneous email, so it was kind of funny, but that would take too long to explain all of that to you, but that's very interesting and fun. But anyway, I ultimately ended up moving to California, and I was in California for about 18 years. Then just recently, 2017, I moved here to Florida. Okay. So that answers the questions I had in my head when like, this is a 909 number. It's California, but her website said she's in Florida. Yes. Confuse everybody. I wasn't sure if we were in the same time zone or not after I told you we were. (laughs) Yep. Okay, so that's how you got where you are now. So are you working another job besides your quilting business right now? Actually, I am. I was in a very wonderful, great operations position. And unfortunately, I got downsized out of that. And now I'm working at a local church as a parish administrator. I'm too young to quote unquote retire yet. And because, you know, need to pay the bills. And 
I need benefits because I'm not old enough yet to qualify for any Medicare and all that stuff yet. So I'm still working full time, but this is nice. It's like literally around the corner from my house. It's a nice job. It's not like high maintenance thinking like the uh, jobs I've had where wow, a whole lot of responsibility and stuff. So it's just being a parish administrator. I love the people I'm working with. And it's nice. It's like I'm home at 4.15. So it's great. So I can spend my late afternoons quilting in my long arm business. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, besides quilting, are there other crafts you do or you have done? Well, I started out, obviously, with apparel sewing. And I started that for my whole young adult life, well, like through high school, and did a lot of home deck sewing. And back in the 80s, one of my friends, her name was Marianne, we had a little business called the Creative Gift Box, and we were selling our sewn goods at local craft shows. So that was really fun. Also took up the harp <laughs> as an adult, which wow. was kind of exciting. And I've always loved the harp. And I tried doing that about 10 years ago. And I played it for a while. I actually was in a harp ensemble in California for a little bit. But there's just not enough time in the day to do everything I want to do. So I'm hoping once I quote unquote actually retire from a full-time career job that I could spend a little more time with my music and the harp. But that's just on the sideline right now. Yeah. Out of all the instruments, what do you think led you to the harp? I don't know. I just think it's a beautiful instrument. My daughter, my older daughter, plays a bunch of instruments. And I always told her, you know, Andrea, you need to learn how to play the harp. And finally, one day she says to me, you know what, Mom? No, why don't you just go learn how to play the harp? I'm like, oh, I never thought about me playing the harp. Because <laughs> I never really thought of myself as quote unquote musical. There's tons of music in my family, but I never thought of myself as like really being gifted with music. So I just thought, you know, it wasn't my thing. I was the sewer. I was, you know, the baton twirler was also a very big deal in my life as well. So I never really thought about myself as a musician in any way. But I picked up the harp and I did fairly well with it. And I really enjoyed it. But again, it's, you know, just don't have enough time in the day to do everything I, I want to do. Right. <laughs> I need to live two lives. <laughs> <laughs> that is so neat, though. Have fun. Yeah. How about other hobbies? Like I said, when I was younger, up until my young adult life, when I had my daughters, I was a very serious baton twirler. I was in competitions, had won championship titles. I traveled overseas in Europe three times. It was my high school featured twirler. So that was a big deal for me in my life as a youngster. Uh, and even as a young adult, when I was able to um, teach baton twirling, I actually had a little twirling core in New Jersey. And we did like competitions and stuff like that. But that sort of ended, I'd say, in the late 80s. Wow. But it's always been a part of my life, a big part of my life. I keep going back to, you got to go to Europe three times? Yes, Spain, London, and France, and twirling, yeah. Wow. It was fun. What a great way to see the world. Yep. But I was pretty serious in my twirling, so I didn't get to do a whole lot of sightseeing. Oh, that's too bad. So, you know, and I was a kid. You know, you look back at it and you go, gee, I wish I would have... Done a little, there were competitions, international competitions. So I was more interested in placing in my <laughs> competitions <laughs> than I was going to do any sightseeing. So I was practicing all the time. So one of these years, I'll be able to 
go back there, I hope. That would be really it. nice. Yeah. As a tourist instead of a competitor. Yeah. Do you think any of these hobbies you've had show up in your quilting? Not really. No, not really. It's very different. I think the music is very different. The twirling is very different. It's just, you know, sewing, though, is in my blood. I think there's a blood type for sewers. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. It's just who I am. I sew and quilt. Yeah. Tell me about who introduced you to quilting. Well, I guess it was, like I said, 1979, I think, when I saw an ad for one of the adult classes at a local high school to learn how to quilt. And I was, you know, sewing clothes up until that point in home deck. And, you know, I was getting a little frustrated with the clothing stuff and, you know, had baby at the time. is like, can't get the things to fit as easily as <laughs> they used to before I had babies. <laughs> and so I was like, I want to learn how to quilt. You know, it was a good excuse to get out and just leave the husband home and he can watch a baby. And I'm going to go out and have once a week go to this quilting class. And it was long before like rotary cutters were even invented. So what I learned how to quilt, it was very much the traditional old fashioned way of quilting. It was get manila folders, file folders, cut out your patterns, use a number two pencil, trace them out, use scissors, cut out your patterns. And that's how you were going to make a quilt. And I thought to myself, this is great and I want to be really true and stay true to that traditional quilting technique like the handmade everything's done by hand and I really really enjoyed looking at antique quilts and that really really caught my interest so I wanted to be true to that that technique and just make everything authentic well I think I made one quilt and I went no 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 I can't do this because I've got too many ideas I can't not just it takes way too long to hand piece quilts so I said, okay, okay, I will machine piece, but then I'm going to hand quilt everything. Well, that didn't work either. <laughs> I still have too many ideas and I can't get these. I still have quilts and a shelf, seriously, that I started hand quilting that I never, ever finished because it was just taking too long. I want to go on to the next project. So for somebody who thought I'm going to stay true to this old fashioned traditional quilt technique of hand stitching now I'm a long armor <laughs> and you know totally the opposite side of the spectrum <laughs> now I'm like hurry up get it done <laughs> next <laughs> but at least you stuck with quilting yes yes absolutely <laughs> do you happen to have a favorite quilt I do being a long-arm quilter, I haven't had a whole lot of time in the last few years doing a lot of my own stuff, but I did do one quilt. I had two daughters, and my second daughter passed away in a car accident in the year 2000. And I desperately wanted to make a portrait quilt for her in her honor. And I was so fearful of doing it because I was afraid it was going to turn out like a caricature. I really wanted it to be a wonderful representation of my daughter. And I was very nervous about it. So I didn't start for a few years. And then I was at the Road to California quilt show. And I had taken a class on portrait quilting. And I got a picture of my daughter. And I went to that class. And I'm like, let's see what happens. And I'm really, really proud of that piece. It came out awesome. It looks exactly like her. 
I am so proud of that piece. And it's like, that's my piece. That's like, that's mine. Like I did that. <laughs> that's just my precious thing. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Came out beautiful. So sorry. And it for didn't your look loss. like a character. Thank you. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. That's something you never get over. No, no. But I'm so glad you were able to get that quilt done. I think Michelle was helping me. I think she was like over my shoulder telling me, Mom, put the eyes like this. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the hardest part of the eyes and making them. I can actually send you a picture of that if you'd like. Oh, that would be great. A picture of that quilt, yeah. Yeah. And you could see. When you're working on your quilts, is there a tool that you like or just so happy that you have to use? Thank God they invented rotary cutters. <laughs> <laughs> I learned with scissors, like, mm-hmm. and traced off of a pattern. So rotary cutters and rulers changed the game for me. I mean, it's just like, oh, my gosh. That was huge for me. Then it was learning how to use a rotary cutter properly. <laughs> because I think I bought maybe the first one that was out there on the market. I'm like, what is this? Can I try it? And it took me a while to figure it out, but... I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a game changer. So I have to ask, have you cut yourself with the rotary cutter? Knock on No. (laughs) Knock on wood. I'm so glad to hear that (laughs) because I haven't either, but I haven't been quilting as long as you. And everyone keeps saying it's a win, not an if. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. (laughs) Absolutely not. This conversation will not happen. (laughs) I tried to be extra careful when I get that out. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So what part of the quilting process do you really like or do you like it all? I love it all, but I love, love doing the binding. And I know a lot of quilters are like, ah, I hate the binding. They're like, how could you like the binding part? I'm like, it's done. It's done. (laughs) My quilt is done. I love that part. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I do the last couple of stitches and I love the cozy quilts. Okay. It's my name of my company too, Coziness Quilts. So as soon as my last stitch is in that binding, I like throw it in the washing machine and I just love it when they just kind of like shrink up a little bit and give that kind of worn out cozy look. I love that. Uh-huh. Now, my fun question. Mm-hmm. What was your worst quilting experience? Can I tell you my worst sewing experience? Does it have to be quilting? No, sewing's great. Okay, because this was my absolute worst (laughs) experience when it came to sewing. I was in eighth grade home economics class, and I already had this point in time, had already been like already making my clothes. I was already, you know, a pretty seasoned sewer. I was pretty good at that point. And I was taking this class, and I was making a green corduroy jumper. It had like a panel in the front, okay? And the pattern I was using didn't have specific directions on how to place your pattern down to cut out for a nap, okay. a fabric nap. Yeah. So I knew I have a nap because I have corduroy. So I've already, you know, gone to sewing school and I've done a few of these already. So I did not pay attention to the pattern directions on how to lay the pattern pieces out. I just pushed it aside and I fitted on my own way to make sure that the nap was all going to be right. The home economics teacher 
came over to my table and she's like, what are you doing? You're not, you have to learn how to read directions. And she was like, kind of yelling at me. And in those days, you didn't question teachers. I mean, it was just like, you know, they walked on water. And I was like, well, it's a nap. There's a nap in my fabric because it's corduroy. And I have to put this this way. Otherwise, it's not going to sew up right because it's going to be like upside down. And she's like, Carolyn, you have to make sure you read the directions and do exactly as the directions say. No, just do what the directions say. And I'm like, I didn't say anything back. You know, good little girls didn't do it in those days. And we just unpinned it and I put it the way she told me to do it. I followed directions on the pattern and I'm like, I'm never going to be able to wear this jumper. And I sewed it and it was upside down. Then when we went to have to do our little modeling thing to model all the little outfits that we made, she's like, what happened here? And I was like, that's the nap. That's the panel in the front. It's upside down because I was trying not to be, you know, <laughs> talk back little girl. I was trying to be nice. I was like, but when you told me to read the directions on the pattern and have it out, I remember you told me to unpin it and do it the right way. And this is what happened. She's like, oh, that's just not right. I'm like, I know. <laughs> she ended up giving me a B. Oh, wow. I was like so devastated. And I went home and I was so upset. I was like, oh, my gosh. I was so upset. I was like, I can't believe she did that to me. <laughs> and she gave me a B. <laughs> so that was really devastating as a kid. Oh, my gosh. That was really, really devastating. Especially when you knew how to do it. Yes. But, you know, in those days, you, you just didn't. I mean, I don't know if the kids today would have more gumption and actually talk back to the teacher, but I certainly wasn't going to do that. So. Yeah. And I think nowadays the teachers actually listen a little bit more. Yeah. So that was my worst sewing experience. And as far as quilting goes, you know, I have I haven't really had any thing that I remember as being the worst experience in regard to quilting. I've had a couple of interesting things that happen as a long armor with my clients, but that's another story too. So <laughs> <laughs> I could write a book on some of the stuff yeah. that I get to quilt. <laughs> it's okay. They're learning. I teach them as they go. Yeah. One long armor I talked to, her worst one was when she had just been working on the week before and she was working on a client's quilt and it ripped in the center. Oh. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> that was my response to her too. Oh. oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've had experiences where I didn't notice that the tension wasn't perfect and mm -hmm. it was bad, not it's okay. You can get away with it. This was bad. I had to rip out yeah, like half a quilt. That was a nightmare. That's yeah. probably my one of my worst quilting experiences. So, But that doesn't happen anymore because I check like every five minutes to make sure my attention <laughs> is good now. <laughs> so why do you think you make quilts rather than using your time on a different craft? Oh, my. I just, it's a creative outlet. It's also a therapy for me. It's like in my soul. It's mm -hmm. like how I, how I meditate. It's how I relax. It's creative outlet. It's just so much of that involved in the quilting and sewing. When my husband likes saying, sit down, just relax, just don't do anything. I'm like, I'll go sew. <laughs> that's for me very, that's relaxing. That's my therapy. Having lost a daughter and stuff like that, I think it's probably, I do that even now more, going to my sewing room. 
Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And then you have something to show for it, too. Yeah. Yep. And it's an end product. Lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you usually make your quilts for? Typically family. Usually it's going to be for family, you know, grandkids. And my niece is having a new baby, little baby boy, and I'm working on a little quilt for him, a little Peter Pan theme. So we're going to do a never grow up theme on that one. So hopefully get one that one done soon. And I don't have this on the list, but I just was thinking about it. Seems like there's so many different types of quilts, you know, with applique and piecing or... Do you prefer one type of quilt over another? I don't have a preference. I enjoy all of it. I don't do a whole lot of paper piecing, though. And I kind of want to start that. My time for quilting for myself is very, very limited Mm -hmm. because of what I'm so busy with everybody else's quilts. But actually, Broward Quilt Expo is going to be at the end of October this year. And then it happens every other year. And I think for the 2023 quilt show, I want to do a small mini, like paper pieced quilt. And it will be a mini, so it will be doable for me. I can mm-hmm. do that without having to feel overwhelmed with, oh, I'm going to get this big quilt done for a quilt competition. I don't do a whole lot of quilt competitions. I had a couple in the LA, you know, I got a couple of ribbons there, but I'm not a competition quilter. And I would like to do that, but I don't really have the time. I found a paper piecing block that I'm going to use and I'm going to make it into a mini and enter it as a mini quilt. And I think that's doable for me. I'm like, I could do this. I can start, you know, because my bucket list is, you know, just get some competition quilts out there. So I think I'm going to actually start working towards that. How fun. Yeah. Something to look forward to. I enjoy all techniques. And unfortunately, again, because I always feel like, oh, I got to get this quilt done quick. I don't have the time to spend doing hand applique. I love that. It's relaxing, but just get it done. So I feel this urgency to get things done because of the time limits. So I like to tone that down a little bit and just try to do something. If I do mini quilts or a small quilt, wall hanging quilts, and then maybe I can do something with a little more detail. Yeah. And the paper piecing shows the detail so well. Yes. Yes. What are you working on right now? I'm working on Angela's baby boy's quilt. (laughs) She's due, I think, what'd you say, January or February. And she's having a baby boy, so I'm working on that little Peter Pan quilt. Neat. That's getting close. Yep. That'll be done. It's a baby size quilt, so that's going to go fairly quickly. Yeah. Share a quilting tip with me. Iron, 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 press, 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 and use starch. I can't say it enough. I teach a lot of quilting classes, too, in our local quilt shop here. And it's like, that's why I'm always like, between, between, you need to press. And I guess I'm learning more and more how important that is. Again, as a long arm quilter, you can see, you know, who presses as they sew and who who don't press as mm-hmm. they sew. There's definitely a difference in how your quilt is going to end up, whether it's going to be square or, or how the seams line up. Pressing is so important. 
Did you learn that with quilting or did you learn that back when you were sewing garments? Probably with quilting. I don't mind the ironing. I like ironing actually, but I think with the quilting and then now having had to do other people's quilts, I'm realizing like, oh, she didn't even iron this at all. You know, I can tell. Mm-hmm. And that, that's so important. And I see such a big difference. And even now when I'm teaching, I have a couple of quilting students that I work with. It's just like, if you keep ironing this and even when you starch it, it's just like, look at the difference in this block and this block that you didn't, you know, it's just so much more precision in the piecing. Yeah. So I have a few questions on your business. How did you go from having quilting as a hobby to starting a long-arm business? I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always thought I want to have my own business someday. I'd love to have my own little shop someday. And I was never in a situation where I could ever fulfill that because I was working in the corporate world. The circumstances that I was in at that time, I needed those jobs. I was never in a position where I could say, take that risk. Mm-hmm. of, you know, opening up a little shop or whatever, starting a little business. Well, I was working in my last big corporate job. I was very successful. I did very well. And I wanted to purchase a long arm. And this was in 2019. So I purchased a long arm and that's like buying a car. I mean, this is not a <laughs> simple purchase. This is a big deal. So I bought an APQS Millie. And I was able to afford it at the time, and I had the means to do that. My husband's like, what is that about? (laughs) I'm like, oh, I guess I should feel like I need to justify that purchase. I'm like, well, let's call it like a 401k plan. So when I retire, I'll be able to quilt for others, and I can make some income. And he's like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Go for it. You're good. Do whatever you want to do. But I felt like, you know what? I'm going to develop my skill set on the long arm. So from 2015 through 2017, and then when I moved to Florida, I started advertising my long-arm business. And the name of your business is? Coziness Quilts. Now, I'm curious because when I hear the word cozy, I've heard more Canadians use that word. So I was wondering how you came up with coziness. Coziness Quilt. When my little girls were young... We used to always make up our own words. (laughs) We had our own little vocabulary and was always very playful. So when they were really little, I'd be like, go get a quilt and let's get coziness on the couch. Let's do coziness on the couch. And it was just being goofy, being a goofy mom, being goofy with the girls. And they're like, yeah, I want to get a coziness. I'm going to have a coziness quilt. And I was like, that's it. That's going to be the name of my business. I just liked it. And it's something we sort of made up. (laughs) And it just brings back a lot of comforting memories for me that just seemed to work for me. I love the name. And just hearing it makes you want to wrap up in the quilt. Yeah. So you started your long arm business. How did you feel when that first customer came to you? I was just very nervous, but I didn't let anybody know that. I just did the best I could do for her. And then I said, just please, here's my card. Spread the word. I joined the Quilt Guild here in Coral Springs. Now I'm currently the president of it. And I've got a nice following. A bunch of people have been calling me. I've got a nice, I call it my queue, my lineup. I probably have consistently between 15 and 20 quilts that are waiting to be quilted at all times. 
So I think I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, that's and people a lot. have been pleased. Most of my business is panographs, edge to edge. It's just more economical for me to do that. The custom quilting takes a lot more time. You get a little more money for those custom quilts, but it takes a lot more time, which means they stay on the frame longer. When I could have done two or three of the panographs, mm -hmm. I only get one of the custom done. So, and most of my customers are just making coziness quilts. I mean, they're just making cozy, we call them draggers. They're the ones that little kids are going to get. They're going to drag them around the house. So they're going to get cuddled up and watch a movie. And it's just been great. And thinking back to that first quilt you did, do you happen to remember when they came and picked it up and their reaction to it? Vaguely. I've done so many quilts right now. <laughs> Vaguely, I was proud of it and she was very pleased with it. And by the time, you know, I finished her quilt, I already had four or five more waiting to be done because she started talking about me before she even got my quilt back. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Nice town. Coral Springs is awesome. A lot of quilters here. And it's just been really good. I'm really, really pleased with the way things have evolved for me in the last four years. Great. And share where we can find your business. I'm on Facebook, Coziness Quilts. You can find me on my website also. It's CozinessQuilts.com. And my email address is CozinessQuilts at gmail.com. Wonderful. That makes it real easy to find you with having the same name yep. across. Yep. Oh, and you also have started Personal Sewing and Quilting Coach. Tell me about that. Yes. I was teaching locally at a quilt shop here, uh, quilting classes, and then I've had a few students who wanted to extend their quilting lessons, and I do private lessons in my home, and I do a couple of those a month, two or three a month maybe, just help them get through a quilt pattern or help them with their cutting. I had one customer, she was going on a quilting retreat, and it was a very complicated pattern that she was given that she had to have pre-cut before she went on her retreat and so she calls me and she's like help help me through this I want to make sure I cut every piece right because if there can't be any mistakes I'm on a retreat <laughs> I can't just go run out and buy more fabric so she came and we just you know went through the directions and I helped her cut out her fabric for her retreat I've had other clients come and see me and they wanted to they're having problems reading the pattern or getting things to line up right and you know just helping them get through that or just some basic sewing lessons, too. Just like how to make a little quilted pouch with a zipper, that kind of thing. That's fun. Yeah, that is fun. I enjoy that. I enjoy teaching. I'm sure your customers enjoy coming, too. Yeah, they have a nice little following here. It's good. Carol, is there anything else that you would like to share with me, whether about your business or things that you would like people to know about you? Well, I did start a couple of quilting groups on Facebook. One of them is just called Quilting. And I started that back in 2008. So it's been 13 years. In August, it was 13 years. That quilt group is huge. I mean, just I think there's like 190,000 people in it. It's crazy. And there's people from all over the world 
who quilt and at public groups. So anybody can come in and just hang out and talk quilting. That's a really fun group. And it's exciting to see that group grow so large. I also have another group on Facebook, which is called Quilters Market, where quilters can join that group and they can just sell their quilting slash sewing supplies or trade or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of fun watching those groups grow and just so much interaction, you know, all over the world. It's just amazing to me. Yeah. All over the world. People are just everywhere quilting. It's great. I know. I've been enjoying your quilting group. Thank you. It's large, so it's hard to manage. So oh, I have a yeah. couple of other admins that help me out. That could help. <laughs> Because that could be a full-time job, too. Oh, it could be. <laughs> it's a lot of work. But I met a lot of great people through there. Yeah. A lot of great people. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate it, you having it because that's how I found you. Yep. Yeah. Thank you for calling. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Carol, for spending this time with me. I had such a great time with you. Thank you for finding me and spending time with me and letting me share my story. I loved it. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Okay, have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.